You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. All right. All right. Calm down. Everybody just relax. We had our fun. It was a good time. Now it's back to work. Even though it doesn't really feel like it, at least for me, there is a Green Bay Packers game today. And I know I'm not alone in that because there's basically a portion of the Packers fan base that's like, let's just throw it for the sake of health. Not arguing, I'm just saying, this This is kind of where it's at today. So it's, it's. I was going to say it's nice to have a game, but is it nice? I don't, you know, the thought of not having football makes me sad. That's for sure. For sure. But I don't think anything, I mean, the only positive thing would be the Packers play all four quarters with zero injuries and annihilate the Lions just for the sake of, all right, we're still in, uh, we're still in that mode. Great. That's like the only positive thing that really could happen. Aside from the backups come in and annihilate the Lions, I guess. Don't think that'll happen, but that'd be funny. But aside from I want it because I want it, it's like, dude, it's just a minefield out there. Not just injuries, just, you know. Part of the the reason for playing these guys is keeping up the momentum. There's also the possibility the Lions play kind of well. I don't necessarily even want to call it a trap game because that's, um, that's not fully explaining it, but kind of a similar concept where the Lions are going to give 110%, and the Packers are like, I just don't want to get hurt, and I'm focused on, like, chilling next week. I got plane tickets. I'm going somewhere warm. The other negative would be the Packers don't look good slash lose the game, in which case it's like, dude, you shouldn't have played any of these guys at all because now it just feels bad. Now all that momentum is kind of not there which is part of the reason why I'm falling more and more in line with just play. Just play. Just play the game. I know there's a chance Rodgers gets hurt. I know there's a chance that somebody else gets hurt. In fact, somebody is going to get hurt. It's a matter of who and how bad. But the Packers are riding high. They are the number one team in the NFL. They are one of the more consistent teams, one of the more dominant teams over the last five, six weeks. A lot of other teams are going through some stuff. Tampa Bay is going through some stuff. I mean, I didn't watch that Chiefs game because I literally forgot there was even football on yesterday. But I saw they almost lost to the Broncos, so that's not great. By the way, from what I understand, it sounds like the Broncos handed the Chiefs the ball, considering it was a fumble that ended up giving you that last touchdown and a decision to kick a field goal inexplicably instead of going for a touchdown on the 13-yard line. I'm usually a just-take-the-points guy, but what was there, five minutes left? And even if you kick a field goal, a field go- it's one thing if you can kick a field goal and it gets you within three. Because then it's like, all right, we'll kick a field goal because then we just need to get the ball back and only need to get a handful of yards to to tie it. That factors into the equation. The field goal here does nothing because you still need to get a touchdown. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that so much. Especially when you're talking, you know, last game of the season, division rival. You got nobody thinks you have a chance to win. This is it, man. And somehow you got all the way down to the 13 yard line. So it's not like, well, they're just so dominant we can't do anything against them. Again, I didn't see it, but geez, you got a chance to, to take it to the Chiefs right now. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about as far as mentality. There is an aspect of communicating to your team, we're better than them, and I have faith in you that when I call on you to go take something from them, that you will take it from them. 
fourth and five, they're going to try to stop us. Don't let them. But, you know, again, P- uh, the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes didn't look very good in that game. According to PFF, there were two dropped interceptions, and he had zero big-time throws. So Denver's defense completely kept that team in check. Uh, their running back is injured, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Not one of the other backups totaled more than 30 yards. Tyreek Hill is injured, which probably has a lot to do with Pat Mahomes struggling. He only ran 11 routes via PFF. Dallas is still riding kind of high. I mean, they're, they're, they're one of those extremely volatile teams where, again, I don't want to face Dallas because if we play that version of Dallas, the 50-point Dallas, that's scary. But there's also the Dallas that's like, yeah, we don't know how to play football. But Arizona, LA, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, everybody's going through some stuff, man. We, and, and, and we've got a, a team right now that's kind of like T-ball, you know what I mean? It's just sitting there on the tee, and it's like, I don't know, man. What if I swing and I hit the tee instead of the ball? Everyone's going to laugh right before the playoffs. It's like, yeah, I know, but it's still on a freaking tee, and you should be able to hit it. So maybe just don't suck and go hit the ball. But what if I swing and, and hit the ball but then twist my knee? You might, but I don't know, man. Try not to do that. Just go hit the ball, please. Hit it real hard, because, you know, it's on a tee. I'm referencing the Lions being a bad team, if you couldn't tell. I mean, it, 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 and, and that's the whole, like, everybody everybody wants to do what Dallas just did. You go into the playoffs having beat Philadelphia 51-26. to 26. That's just stupid. That's stupid. This is an offense that has the ability to crush people like not many offenses that I can recall. They're not as consistent as, like, you know, the, what was it, 2008 Chiefs or whatever consistently dominant, but just dropping 50 points on teams like nothing, that's crazy. They scored 50 points twice and 40 points three times, 30 points three times. Half of their games have been at least 30 points. That's wild, man. I think the Chiefs at their peak never dropped 50 more than, I mean, they did it twice, 2018 and 2019, but they only did it once each year, and they got to 51. Dallas had a 51 and also a 56, so... I mean, there's no denying how scary that offense can be. While, by the way, having still a top 10 defense right now. But again, the difference is the lows of the... If you look at 2019, how many games did the Chiefs score less than 22 points? Once. How many times did Dallas score 20... Well, 22 or less? One, two, three, four, five, six times. Twice was below 20. Once was below 10. By the way, those 50-point games are two weeks apart. Sandwiched in between... I mean, it was 21, 56, 22, 51. I mean, it's low, high, low, high. I'm hoping next week is low, and whoever they play, they just completely get blown out, because I just don't want to deal with that. I mean, re- just, just compare those two, those two games. Those two teams both are riding into the playoffs. One of them is the Chiefs riding in, injury-riddled, quarterback didn't look good, nearly lost to a pretty bad division rival. The other team annihilated a division rival. Which would you rather be? And granted, if, if, if you look like the Chiefs and even lose because you rested your starters, you can play the mental gymnastics of, well, we didn't play our starters, so it doesn't matter. We don't care because we're so good. But there's still going to be that little sting. People are still going to look over and be like, oh, okay, great, don't care. But dude, did you see the Cowboys? Like, well, well, we're still good too. Didn't you, like, hide from the Lions? Isn't that what you just did? Okay, anyways, Dallas scored 51, bro. Wasn't that crazy? Oh, what about us? We don't care about you because you lost to the Lions. I don't know. I don't know. I understand the injury thing. I get it. If Rodgers gets hurt, we're done. But you know what? Rodgers has to play after this game, too. And if he gets hurt in that game, we're done. And if he gets hurt in the next game, the NFC Championship game, we're done. And if he gets hurt in the Super Bowl, we're done. 
And if he had gotten hurt in week 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, preseason, offseason, we would have been done. But we're not done. And we lost David Bakhtiari and thought we were done and we're not done. And we thought Zadarius and thought we were done and we're not done. And we lost Jair and we thought we were done and we're not done. And in fact, some of these guys are going to be coming back and that's pretty glorious. We're going to see, by the way, it looks like David Bakhtiari is officially going to be playing in this game. Don't know if it'll be the whole game or what. That's pretty much the case for everybody. I can't pick one person on this team and say this person's going to play this much. I have no idea. But it does sound like David Bakhtiari will be playing, as is our center, Josh Myers, which that one makes a lot of sense to me. Um, because although it's kind of iffy as to who's the best center to go forward with, because Josh Myers is coming off injury, because Josh Myers is a rookie with limited playing time, and because, to be completely honest, PFF has him and Patrick basically even on PFF. It's not like Josh Myers was killing it. He was fine, but it's, you know, I mean, it's not like you got an elite guy like David Bakhtiari and then Josh, who's doing a good job, but grades out at about 60. You know, best tackle in football, who's been doing this for for years, or Yash, who's doing great, but he's doing just well enough, and we also have to kind of restructure our offense to kind of protect Rodgers because he's over there. That's a no-brainer. When 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 um, Bakhtiari's ready, he comes back. Josh, I don't know, but that's why in this game, it's like, dude, let him play, and then we'll get a feel for it. We'll see how it goes. Is he ready? Is he healthy? Is he mentally acute? Is he there? Can he make all the right calls? I mean, stress him big time, because we need to know 100% that if he's the guy, he's really the guy. Is he the guy or not? We need to find out. So if if I had to pick one guy that's going to play the whole game, it's it's Josh Myers. And if he doesn't, the only thing I can think is they either want a side-by-side comparison with him and somebody else. It would be number one. Uh, I don't know why you would do that. Number two would be concern about his health because, um, well, I, I guess it's kind of 2A and 2B. Number 2A, we're a little concerned about his health, so we don't want him to play a full game. 2B, we know that he's the guy going forward, and we're concerned about his health, so we don't want him to play. So I think if he plays a full game, it's because we're not really sure. If he doesn't play a full game, assuming that everybody else doesn't play a full game, which they might. I think everyone's kind of ruled that out. I don't I don't know, man. We'll see. I don't even know if the Packers fully know what they're going to do. I mean, if we go in, let's say the Packers plan tentatively is to play a half, and we go into halftime and the score is 14-14. Are we just going to concede the game and be like, all right, starters, you're done. I guess we lose. I mean, it's not that we lose. It just it doesn't seem like it's <laughs> we're going to win the game. Plus, it's even worse now because you can't even be like, yeah, well, it's because we didn't play our starters. No, 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 no. You weren't even winning at halftime against the Lions with your starters, with this team that's supposedly going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. I'm just saying if I'm the head coach, it's like, listen, I'm going to put you guys back out there and you better freaking bury them because this is embarrassing. This is stupid. This is stupid. Assuming there hasn't been a bunch of injuries, yeah, you're going back out there and you're going to bury them. AJ, gear up, man, because I'm going to run you down their throat so much, their helmets are going to be bleeding. I'm going to crush them into fine powder. Rodgers, it's you and Devontae. None of this other ticky-tack nonsense. Go out there and just shred. Uh, that's it. That's the game plan. Go out there, go play, go win. And I expect you to win by two scores. I don't know. A lot of variables. It's interesting. We'll see how it goes. Ideally, we're up 40 to nothing by halfway through the first quarter, and then we can just bench everybody. That'd be great, right? Let's plan on that. New plan. But anyways, why don't we take a look at the actual injury report. We'll take a look at the COVID list to see what the Packers and Lions are up to. I would assume, I mean, the Lions aren't going to be sitting anybody, so we don't have to worry about that uh, aspect of things. But we should at least get caught up with what they're up to. Um, as for the Green Bay Packers, Bakhtiari, as I mentioned, was um, he's full participant on Friday, so he is questionable to play. At least that's his game designation. Devondre Campbell, also questionable. D- uh, Dominique Daphne and Aaron Jones are questionable. Uh, the only two listed as out, Jair Alexander and Kingsley Kiki. 
Everybody else is a full go, including Aaron Rodgers, Mercedes Lewis, and Mr. Josh Myers. As for the Detroit Lions, um, few injuries. Most of them are listed, actually, everybody except one is listed as questionable. That includes Brock Wright, who I don't even know who that is. Josh Reynolds, the wide receiver. Jalen Reeves-Mabin, linebacker. Jonah Jackson, the guard. Quarterback Jared Goff has a knee injury. Uh, Michael Brockers, defensive end, has a neck injury. And then the only guy out is fullback Jason Cabinda. And again, the reason I think he is full go, despite uh, Ian Rappaport's final uh, tweet on Bakhtiari being uncertain, Jason Fowler, uh, yesterday around 5 o'clock p.m., tweeted out, Packers All-Pro left tackle David Bakhtiari is set to make his season debut Sunday versus Detroit, barring late change per a source. Rob Domofsky hit on this being a strong possibility earlier, and it looks like Bakhtiari will get his action, uh, get his, I'm guessing it's supposed to be first action, since December of 2020. Um, trying to find a better um, COVID tracker. I think I found one that's pretty solid. The CBS one is pretty out of date. I mean, very out of date. They still have MVS on the list. He played last week. Um, Pro Football Network, um, maybe slightly behind here. Um, but this one seems pretty solid, and it's actually got a pretty nice little chart here, whether or not they had a positive test or how that all came to be. Close contact, undisclosed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as for the Green Bay Packers, though, it looks like, it, and it has a full list of everybody that has been on it, which is kind of cool, when they went on, when they came off, how they became uh, on the list or whatever. But they have three people listed as being still currently on the list. Randy Ramsey was added on December 30th. Um, David Moore is still on the COVID list, so that's kind of problematic for everybody that was really excited about his return um, ability. The, the good news, though, again, is that he will be available for the postseason. Um, we're just not going to get him for this game. And, and it also gives us more opportunity to experiment a little bit, which I think is what this game is, at least in part, going to be about. And then lastly, Billy Turner. Um, he went on the fourth. So again, you want as many of these guys to get on as soon as possible so that they can get off. And to be completely honest, I mean, if we go back, how long is a week ago? The second? We've had one, two, three, four, five people. Jair was on the second, got off yesterday. David Moore was the third. He's still on. Darnell Savage was the third. He came off the fourth. Dennis Kelly was the third. He came off the fourth. I don't know how that even is possible. I guess you get negative tests. I don't know. And then Billy Turner was the fourth. Again, he could come off anytime. But I mean, since Christmas, we've had Kevin King, Shamar Jean Charles, Ty Summers, Amari Rogers, Tipigalea, Ben Braden, R.J. McIntosh, Mercedes Lewis, Oren Burks, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Davis, Corey Bohorquez, Henry Black, Randy Ramsey, Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander, David Moore, Darnell Savage, Dennis Kelly, Billy Turner. We've had a lot of guys in the last several weeks um, that have that have been on, I mean, again, recently, I mean, and since December, it's it's silly, the amount of people. I'm not going to read all that, but it's it's massive. As for the Detroit Lions, they've got uh, one, two, three, four, five people that went on since the third None of them have come off. Uh, Rodney Smith, the running back. Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker, their tackles. That's massive. Austin Bryant, the linebacker, and Hunter Bryant, the tight end. I think Austin is a pass rusher. Maybe they moved his position. I don't know. So um, those are those are the more important updates, right? The injury updates. There's not much here. Um, obviously, IR plays into plays into this. But uh, Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker, that's giant. And then Austin Bryant is not a good football player, but they're pretty weak 
at the pass rushing position. So it doesn't help. But why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and kind of dig into uh, what their offense and defense and special teams actually look like, what we're going to be going up against, what we can expect, which is impossible to project because I don't know who's playing. Take a quick gander at some other, uh, you know, games and whatnot and playoff scenarios. And we'll get up out of here. I do have to give a major shout out to everybody that's helped Drew to get his seizure service dog. Um, I got a message from him. He says, by my count, since you have been advertising my GoFundMe, you have raised $600, which is technically inaccurate. I've raised $50 for him. Uh, you guys have been the ones that have, that have gone above and beyond and got the additional $550, added $600 in the matter of just a couple weeks. It's a long slog, man. It's, it's expensive getting a seizure service dog, but I plan on sticking in there. Um, it's not something that any of you can just jump in and cover. I mean, if you can, it's kind of good, good for you happy for you. But point is, I mean, if you got 10 bucks this month, 10 bucks next month, um, I'm assuming that this is my goal. My hope is that we can get this covered um, before the start of next season, because that's when I start getting baggy <laughs> for myself. Because, <laughs> you know, the off season's pretty dry. Nobody listens. Nobody donates. Advertisers are like, why would I advertise on a stupid sports podcast, especially football? There's no football right now. Get bent, loser. Well, that's that's rude. But if you're able, I did post it in the Facebook group. I posted it on Patreon, and uh, it's still tagged at the top of Twitter. If there's somewhere else that you want me to send it, let me know. But again, uh, nice to be able to help out. And of course, if you want to get in on Patreon, you can do that too. I, I, I want to throw one other thing out here quickly. As the off-season approaches, I'm trying to contemplate several different directions to go. Not with the podcast. Podcast stays right in this lane, and it's just going to keep cruising, but... I can't fight this sort of entrepreneurial urge that I have. I've said it before. I, I, I am, That's who I am. It doesn't mean I'm good at it. Don't make it. I'm, I'm not bragging because I'm bad at it. However, I can't, I can't stop. And um, with the podcast kind of being on cruise control, it's killing my soul a little bit. So I have to go build something somewhere. And I just don't know what direction to go. I've got a lot of different ideas, though. And so my request to you would be, if there's anything you want to do, let me know writing, audio, video, whatever. Because again, I have a lot of different ideas, but I'm not sure what direction. I'm, I'm waiting to just pull the trigger on one direction. And I want to go 100% when I make the decision, but I can't make up my mind. Additionally, if you are already doing something, doesn't matter how big or small, a lot of my ideas have to do with partnering with other people who are already doing things. Tell me what you're already doing, and we'll see if we can figure it out. And no, I'm not asking for free help. I'm talking about going and making lots and lots of money. So if you're doing something and you love it and you're not making very much money, come talk to me because I think that's stupid. No offense to people who do things for the love of it and have no interest in making money. Good for you. That's not me. I want both. I'm greedy that way. I want to do something I love and make money doing it. So uh, come on over. Let's have a conversation. Have a virtual cup of coffee and let's see what we can figure out. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Man, Twitter trending is, is something else, man. It's, it's either somebody's name pops up and you're terrified that something happened, like Morgan Freeman is trending right now, and it's like, don't even, don't, don't even do this. I haven't even started trying to work on a Morgan Freeman impression. You gotta at least give me that. Now I feel like I gotta get working on it. I've never even tried that. Well, I suppose it's time. I don't know. First attempt. Give, give me a break, all right? I, I gotta, I gotta do it now. And a Dufresne. That wasn't that bad. By the way, doing impressions is... It, it, I, I love doing it, and I'm really not good at it, but I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite things. I haven't done it in a long time, but just driving to work, especially now. I haven't done it since I have like an, a 45-minute drive to work. I used to have like a 10-minute drive to work, and I didn't have any time to, to really get anything going. I got to get working on that. Anyways, but it's either somebody's name or I just, it's always like, oh, no, what is that? You know, or you see somebody's name that you like on the side there, and it's like, man, are they just getting shredded on Twitter, right? What did they do? What did they do? And usually it's something bad, like, this idiot is hanging. I saw that yesterday. I'm not going to name who or what happened. Listen to their podcast all the time. They're just complaining. He's a horrible person. Whining. Anyways, I did double-check it. Uh, it looks like the Lions just activated. This, this was yesterday, but very recently. Um, this was like 5 p.m. on Saturday. They did activate Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell, so um, largely pretty full strength then. But um, looking at their team right now, look, I mean, they, they just... Equinemius St. Brown is having a, a go of it, right? Sorry, Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't know why I just said that. Equinemius' brother. Um, he has been, I would say, borderline dominant since, I mean, you could go back to, if you really wanted to go back far, you could say week eight. Um, it's kind of like been that flickering light, but it has just started flicker, flickering rapidly, and now it's just on, like the high beams are on. So if we look at starting in week eight, so prior to week eight, so one through seven, 
56, 52, 57, 71, 75, 61, 48. So he had two decent games uh, against Chicago and Minnesota. He's a slot guy, by the way. Otherwise, subpar. Not very good. Since then, he had four weeks where it was like the flickering. 70, 60, 75, 60. So good game. Nah, fine. Good game. Since week 13, however, 71, 72, 79, 80.5, 88.4. So he went from flickering to good to very good to borderline elite. And it's just been a an arrow straight up. So that's one of the things that Detroit has going for it. And, and really, to their credit, again, you look at the Lions, and there's a lot of things you like about the Lions. One of the things is the, the coach. It's the mentality of the team. It's the camaraderie of the team. But also, if you look at the positives, it's a lot of the young guys. Penny Sewell is a young guy. He was kind of getting mocked and ridiculed. Um, because he was struggling and whatnot and not really doing as well as you would expect for a guy of his pedigree or whatever. But um, similarly, he's been pretty solid. Granted, the last three weeks haven't been great, but um, he had a stretch from week six to week 14 that went 74, 81, 68, 72, 81, 78, 76, and 91. Just completely dominant. And he's been kind of in the average the last three weeks. But um, he at least is figuring it out because, again, weeks one through five, it was like, this guy's kind of trash. I mean, he's just straight up trash. But uh, in week 10, he made the move to right tackle, and it seems to be doing some good things for him. Um, by the way, pause. It's officially, officially, official. David Bakhtiari's coming back. David Bakhtiari, three minutes ago, says, let's try this again, dot, dot, dot. Ian Rappaport just retweeted it about 30 seconds ago. Still haunting and scary, but the Packers' left tackle is back. Again, we kind of knew, but let's let's call it officially, officially, official at this point. But anyways, yeah, the uh, the Lions have some things working in their favor. It's, it's not all perfect. The uh, defensive tackles they got, pretty much everybody that they got defensively has been pretty terrible. But the whole defense, the whole culture there is just kind of garbage. And you know how everything plays off of everything else. It's hard to be the lone defensive tackle like uh, Levi and Wuzurike or Alim McNeil, who's, they got those two guys back-to-back, um, when you're rookies and uh, your linebackers are trash, your edge rushers are trash, your corners and safeties are not very good, um, you know. But yeah, several things moving in their direction. Interestingly enough, uh, the running back they picked up in the later rounds, uh, seventh round actually, is one of their higher graded running backs, higher than DeAndre Swift, higher than Jamal Williams, uh, Jamar Jefferson. So pretty much all their offensive moves have been working. And again, I, I wouldn't put it past their defense to start taking strides. They just need more pieces, right? They don't have like a foundation that that really makes any sense. So um, if we could just, again, cut them off at the knees, that would be fantastic. But uh, offensively, the offensive line, again, not terrible. They did lose some pretty key pieces, but uh, Decker and Sewell at tackle are fine. Jonah Jackson is another really young guy. He's only on his second year uh, he took a jump, and still not a great player, but a 57 overall as a rookie, 68.1. So from below average to just about in the good range, he was a third-round pick in 2020 out of Ohio State. And then the center, Brown, and uh, Vitae at right guard. Again, not great, but average. I mean, they're, they're certainly not grading out any worse than our guy. So they have a decent foundation up front, especially at the tackle position, and you got a guy in, in uh, Amon Ross St. Brown that's really starting to blossom as a slot guy. I mean, really starting to take off. Somewhat of a small sample size, but it's, it's been, I mean, at least if we're, if we're going all the way back to when it's been starting to click, it's, it's been half the season. Unfortunately, though, the other wide receivers that they have are just not very good, as well as their running backs are just not doing super great. I mean, we know what Jamal brings. 
you know, with the blocking, receiving, as well as being somewhat of a uh, a pounder. But he's he's watch as I say this, he's going to rip off of his first ever fifty yard run. But he's he's just not really that guy. Uh, Swift is the other running back that they really were expecting big things from. He's ranked fifty seventh out of sixty running backs. Reynolds, uh, their wide receiver, ranks seventy first out of one hundred thirty one running backs and. Khalif Raymond uh, is currently ranked 102nd out of 131 wide receivers. So did I say Reynolds was a running back? I meant 70, 71st out of 131 wide receivers, if I didn't say that right. So moving the ball is difficult because although we have an offensive line, we don't have much to do with it. And so I do like the Packers' chances here. Again, I'm just I'm just going to speak as though we're talking about the starters because I don't, I don't know anything else. Can't really speak to who's coming in, when they're coming in, and how well they're going to be able to handle things. But the way that this team plays defense, especially with their... Uh, the zone defense, as much as we look at, well, it's going to be Chandon against St. Brown, and we're going to lose that matchup, and St. Brown's just going to feast. It's like, yeah, but we're going to have the ability to shuffle things around to take that away. We're going to be able to do some stuff, whether it be with the linebackers, with the safeties, whatever, to kind of minimize the damage there, because we're going to trust Razul and Stokes a lot with Reynolds and Raymond. And again, a lot of this is going to be zone type stuff. You got Goff, who is not mobile. He's going to be sitting in the pocket with Gary and Smith and Clark feasting. And then you got the linebackers who've done a good job in coverage, as well as the safety. You know, Adrian Amos didn't start off super hot, but he's sitting 16th out of 94. I mean, this, this, th- these are some pretty serious football players. As much as we tend to look down our nose at the defense, and that's going to be our, our our biggest weakness or whatever, um, they got some some guys here. And, and like I said with other teams, not that this always matters, but it, it, when, when a team is one-dimensional, I think the Packers are really going to be able to feast because the, 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 the complication comes in when they're able to take away what we're able to do based on what they're able to do. You know, if they've got a mobile quarterback, well, now we've got to kind of, we've got to adjust what we do and we can't really allocate this guy to do anything other than spy the quarterback or whatever the case may be. Or or we can't really bring the pressure as much because we got to secure the edges and we got to make sure he does, you know, be uh, gap sound or whatever you want to call it to make sure that this guy doesn't take off running. You know, if they've got really good linebackers, or excuse me, uh, tight ends, that can, you know, we, we got to, figure out what to do with that, you know, similar like what we had with Baltimore. Well, the game plan is to put Savage on him. If that doesn't work, well, now we're in a lot of trouble because that's what we built our whole game plan around. So we can change that, but then we got to change kind of everything that we're doing, which is not what we've been practicing all week. So that's problematic. But with Detroit, I mean, it's it's kind of just, you know what they are. And it really is just a matter of line up and beat them and make sure you're not sleeping because they'll take advantage of that. Uh, defensively is where they really struggle, which is going to be super problematic for them because offense is where we really shine, obviously. Um, assuming the starters are playing, assuming that they're playing the same way they have been playing, which is another reason why it's a good idea to play them and for them to come out with the expectation. You know, and that's the other problem with saying, well, let's just make them play a half. I wonder if Rodgers comes out with the same energy and Devontae comes out with the same energy knowing they're not going to finish the game. It's just, I just don't know. But uh, defensively, again, is where they struggle. They're ranked 30th in points, 28th in yards. The, the, the biggest thing, though, is that they are kind of volatile. And the, the reason why volatility scares me is because you can't just look at it and say, well, they're 30th, so they're, you, that's what you're getting. You're getting the third worst defense. Well, I don't know if that's what we're getting. Why do I say that? Well, be, they're 30th partly because they give up 51 points to the Seahawks, 38 points to the Broncos, 44 to Philadelphia. 34 to Cincinnati, 35 to the Packers last time, and 41 to the 49ers in week one. However, it's not that they do that every week. They gave up 20 to the Falcons, 12 to the Cardinals, 16 to the Bears, 13 to the Browns, 16 to the Steelers, um, 19 to the Vikings, and 19 to the Ravens. I mean, that's that's a lot of games where they've kept teams 
under 20, one, two, three, four, five, six games, they've kept teams under 20 points. And the Falcons at 20. I mean, almost half the season has been under that little 24 mark. So to just throw a blanket statement at them and say that they're trash and they always get beat up, not really. It's kind of like half the time they do a good job, half the time they do a terrible job. Remember, 30 is just an average. But either way, you come back to it and say, okay, well, who are the players you got to worry about? Well, let's look at their defensive line. Uh, the, the top guy that they use is Nick Williams, who's not even a name I'm very familiar with. Uh, seventh round pick uh, back in 2013. He's almost 32 years old. He has had two good games this year. His highest grade was a 71.5 in week five against Minnesota. Week uh, 17 against Seattle, he had his worst game ever with a 29.9. But bottom line is um, his run defense grade is a 49.9, which is kind of terrible. He has 15 pressures out of 334 attempts. So he's just below 5%, which is about as bad as, as you can. I mean, that's that's like subpar for a nose tackle, man. That's that's real bad. And he's 6'4", 297. After Nick, you got Michael Brockers, another guy that's been around a while, uh, 31 years old. He's by far having the worst season of his career. He was a first-round pick by the Rams in 2012. Uh, never really lived up to that hype, but anyways. Um, his highest-graded game was a 65 overall. Uh, his run defense grade is a 46, and he has five pressures on 283 attempts. Five pressures. I... Um, I don't know if I've ever seen something this bad before. <laughs> I'm just racking my brain here. I remember when Nick Perry had like a 5% pressure rate, and I said, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, this is 1%. Michael Brockers is getting pressures 1.7% of the time. He has, not had, he has not had a game with more than one pressure. He has one sack on the entire season. He has 581 snaps, 283 pressure attempts. So it's not like, well, it's a small... This is This is... Wow, this is remarkable. Um, and, and again, you know, you could, well, it has something to do with their scheme or whatever. Dude, I don't care. 1.7 is stupid. Never had more than one pressure in a game. He has not had a single pressure since week 11. 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, zero pressures in those games with, again, multiple attempts. You can call it scheme all you want, but uh, a pass rush attempt is a pass rush attempt. You're not playing run when the quarterback drops back. You're not playing run when it's, you know, empty. Well, you never know. Kirk Cousins might take off and run. I gotta... Uh, this is bad. 1.7%. Yikes. Five pressures and 283 attempts. For reference, we want something closer to 10%, so he should be closer to about 28 pressures. 28, 29 pressures, somewhere in there. And that's just baseline, like, eh, it's not bad. He has five. After that, you got rookie third-round pick, Alim McNeil. This is the six foot two, 320-pound guy I was very interested in because I just wanted our own little snacks, Harrison. Um, and by little, I have no idea what I mean by that. Um, he's had a couple good games. It's it's a little bit, it's obviously inconsistent, but um, 58.5 overall grade. A lot of really bad games in here, but he's got a 70 against Chicago. He's got a 76 against Cincinnati, 74 against Pittsburgh, 70 against Chicago again, 76 basically last week against Seattle second best game. So he's he's in the mix. Um, 53 overall run defense grade, which is obviously what you want him to be able to do most often. Um, he's got nine pressures out of uh, about 170 attempts. So, you know, for a rookie 320-pound nose tackle, that's not the worst thing in the world. He's got two sacks. Not something we need to worry about as far as pressures necessarily. Granted, he does have three of those pressures and one of his two sacks in the last two weeks. 
So a third of his pressures and 50% of his sacks came in the last two weeks. Not that that means much, because we're talking literally about three pressures in a sack. But um, seems to be getting better at it. I don't know. After that, you got rookie's second-round pick, Levi Onwuzurike. Uh, he's been mostly just terrible. Uh, week 5 was his only good game. The last, I mean, since week 12, 48, 57, 29, 57, 28, and 52. He has a 39 run defense grade. He's 6'3", 293, so he's a little bit smaller of a guy that you're hoping can bring some uh, pressure. Unfortunately, three pressures on 168 attempts, which is literally 1.7%. I've never... I have no words for this. I have no word. And it's, it's almost, I mean, it's three pressures. He hasn't had a pressure since week 13. He has one sack. I don't, I don't know, man. I have no idea. I don't know what to say about that. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. This is one of the worst pass rushing groups I've ever, the, the, the odds that the Lions don't take a pass rusher in the upcoming draft are so close to zero, it's ridiculous. If nothing else, it's going to help with guys like Levi and Wuzurike to be able to, because they've, they've been building up the defensive line. So if you can get like Aiden Hutchinson or uh, Thibodeau to come in and kind of help out, it's, it's, it's brutal. But again, if you think about it, think about how promising they've looked despite just pure, pure, unadulterated garbage along the, at least the defensive tackles, which we'll get to the edge, which isn't much better. But wow, two guys, 1.7%. That's wild. And then we'll cut it off with John Penicini, six-round pick in 2020. 55 overall grade, 48 overall run defense, three pressures on 97 attempts, which is terrible. He's another 6'2", 333-pound guy, so, you know. I'm just envisioning, I mean, it's not that they're even very good at stopping the run, but Rodgers should be fairly comfortable in the pocket, and that spells doom for the Lions. I don't know how teams that aren't, I mean, it's got to be coverage, but that's what that's the problem with trying to beat the Packers. If it's like, yeah, well, we're not great at, at uh, rushing the passer necessarily, but we're we got coverage schemes and whatever kind of lockdown. All right, well, best of luck with that. Um, pass rushers, Charles Harris is their top pass rusher. Um, he has a 69 overall grade. He has he does have 51 pressures on 415 attempts. So Charles Harris, he's actually having a pretty good year for himself. I mean, he was a first round pick uh, by the Miami Dolphins. He never really was all that promising. Um, until he got to Detroit again, 70 overall grade. Um, he actually has an 80 pass rush grade. Not, I mean, extremely inconsistent. If you look at since week 11, 60, 56, 90, 55, 62, 90, and then 58 last week. So it's a lot of bad with some unbelievably good games mixed in. But he's sitting at 12%, which is decent, right? I mean, that's that's sort of a, you've moved from baseline, you're not garbage into, yeah, it's pretty good. He's also got eight sacks, which, um, I mean, Four of those have come since week six. So he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his last 11 games have had zero sacks. So that's a fairly likely outcome, but we'll see how it goes. The pressures are there. After that, you got Austin Bryant, who again, I don't think is playing in this game. Uh, Doesn't really matter because he's not a very good football player. Uh, Julian Aquara would be next on that list. He's sitting at uh, 16 pressures, 150 attempts. So just at about little slightly above 10%, three sacks on the season. Hasn't played a ton, but he's going to have to step up a little bit in this game because, well, he's been out for a while, but he's next up because, again, Austin Bryant isn't playing. So, again, about 10%, 60 overall run defense. Uh, Trey Flowers I, I hasn't played pretty much all year. Looks like he's out. I hate so much when I 
pause this thing and I don't realize it's still paused and I talk for like five minutes and then it's like, oh, none of that was said. Bottom line is they got a bunch of other guys here. Uh, Trey Flowers, I think, is a guy I was just talking about. Uh, Romeo Aquara hasn't played very much. He's at about 10%, whatever. Um, Jesse Lemonnier is a guy that has come in recently, just in the last four weeks or so, but he has not done very well. Four pressures on about 70 attempts. Uh, not very good. Deshaun Hand has not played in a while, so I don't think he's in. Rashad Berry is the only other guy, and he's got a 42 overall grade. So they're they're very thin at the edge rush position. Looking at their linebackers, their number one linebacker, Alex Anzalone, recently went out for the season. He wasn't having a very good year at all, 34 overall grade, but he still was their number one guy. Uh, man, what a terrible season for him. Uh, after that, they've got Jalen Reeves-Mabin. That's going to be their new, presumably number one linebacker. Um, he was a fourth round pick in 27. Can't believe it's 2017 already, but he's got a 57 overall grade, 62 run defense, uh, 49 in coverage. He's given up 290 yards and two touchdowns with only one pass breakup on the season. He's got 47 tackles and 12 missed tackles. After that, you got Derek Barnes, who is a 2021 fourth round pick. He currently has a 36 overall grade, 54 run defense, 28 coverage grade. Granted, his last two games have been actually pretty good. He's had his first ever back-to-back good games, an 80.8 overall game, followed by a 70 overall game. But um, he has 43 tackles, 14 missed tackles. I'm sorry, it's only five missed tackles. He's not doing that bad tackle. But uh, 21 receptions on 25 targets, giving up 266 yards, two touchdowns and one pass breakup, 131.7 passer rating when targeted. Um, and then finally, if he ends up playing at all, Josh Woods, who might even be hurt or he just doesn't play very much, but considering they're kind of thin, um, he has a 54 overall grade and we'll just leave it at that. It's just, it's not a great situation for the linebacker, just like it's not a great situation for the defensive tackles, just like it's at best average, uh, off the edge, except you have one guy that's decent, one guy that's about average, maybe a little subpar and no depth whatsoever. Um, at corner, I mean, they, they had Jeffrey Okuda. They were hoping for big things. He had a terrible rookie year. He ended up getting hurt after week one. So he is not a part of this equation. Um, number two cornerback, Amani Aruarie, who is a 2019 fifth round pick, just went out for the season after week 15. So he is not a part of this equation. And the way PFF has this laid out based on injuries and whatnot, Efedi Melfonwu is going to be one of the boundary guys. He hasn't even played enough to have a rank because, you know, it's been that kind of a thing. He didn't really come in until week 13. Obviously, that was right after that uh, injury. But um, he has a 55 overall grade. So this is the guy that's probably going to be lined up against Devontae a good portion of the time. I mean, they all are, but, you know, he's a boundary guy. 48.3 as far as coverage. Again, hasn't played very much, but nine receptions on 13 targets. He's only started three games, 167 yards, given up two touchdowns, both of which were last week against Seattle. He has one pass breakup, 151.4 passer rating when targeted. So he's not doing great. He was a third round pick this year, by the way. So rookie, you know, hasn't played much. The guy on the other side, and this is kind of interesting. I don't know if this is the case, but it's Will Harris. Will Harris is their safety. Um, Sounds like they've moved him to cornerback. Um, That Seems like it happened starting around week 12. He was primarily a slot guy. And then um, starting in week 15, apparently due to injuries, um, they moved him over to corner and he's really been struggling. His first week, he had a 71 overall grade. Then they moved him to left cornerback as opposed to right cornerback the last two weeks. It's the only two weeks he's done it. He had a 40 overall grade followed by a 31 overall grade. So 
They took their safety, their starting free safety, moved him to corner because of, again, how bad things have gotten. And it sounds like he's not handling it super well. He was a 2019 third-round pick, uh, and that leaves A.J. Parker to be the slot guy. Um, He has a 49 overall grade with a 57-58 coverage grade. So again, real bad. He was a 2021 undrafted free agent. Um, He's played eh, a decent portion of the year, not the whole year. But uh, 37 receptions on 49 targets. He's given up 388 yards, four touchdowns. He does have one pick and five pass breakups, but 116.7 passer rating when targeted. So again, the corners, real bad. Um, That leaves the safeties. Number one is Will Harris, who again was moved to corner. Leaves Tracy Walker, who's been around for quite a while. I always liked Tracy Walker because of how well he was doing, but it's been a, a pretty drastic drop-off. He had a 90 overall grade in his first year, 2019-73 overall grade. 2020 was a 51, slight bounce back this year, but 64 overall grade, and he's been really struggling, especially since week 11, roughly around the time that uh, they moved the other safety down to corner and moved Dean Marlowe up. I don't think that's a coincidence, but he currently has a 64 overall grade, again, which is inflated because of how he was doing the first half of the year. Since week 11, 38, 41, 72, 50, and 55, he's had one good game, and that was in week 13. He didn't play weeks 14 or 15, by the way. But um, 16 receptions on 26 targets for 242 yards. He's given up two touchdowns, no picks, four pass breakups, 117.8 passer rating when targeted. Dean Marlowe, who um, has played at some capacity all year, really kind of took over as a starter again around week 12. He has a 60 overall grade, 62 in coverage, 13 receptions on 17 targets, 154 yards, a touchdown, no picks, and a pass breakup. So again, you know, top to bottom, there's not much here on defense. You know, again, offense, the offensive line is decent. Quarterback is not good. Running backs are not great. Wide receivers outside of St. Brown are bad. Tight ends are bad. Defensive line is terrible. Edge rushers, there's something there, but you know, it ain't better than anything we've, it's probably the worst we've faced maybe all year. I don't know, aside from the last time we played them. But even then, they had more guys because there's been injuries. Linebackers are terrible. Corners are real bad. And safeties are average at best. That's what we're dealing with, man. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, another way to look at it, although it still scares me and I feel like we would probably end up losing the game, especially with as tough as as Detroit has been playing. You know, if if we did play our backups, there's still a chance we win the game. And if Jordan Love is ever going to come in and play and, and you know, play halfway decent, which let's be honest, I don't think we should judge him based on what he's done so far because he hasn't done anything yet, but he hasn't done anything good either. He has not put together a single good game. Uh, If he's going to put together a a single good game, this is going to be the game. So is what it is. I do have a uh, conspiracy theory, by the way, which isn't even really a conspiracy. It's really just putting the pieces together. But um, should I do it today or not? No, I can't do it today. It's going to have to be, I mean, we've got a long off season ahead of us, but I'll, I'll drop a teaser for you. Aaron Rodgers is not only coming back next year. In other words, he's made up his mind he wants to come back. It's a done deal. I think it's 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 a it's a done deal between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Call it a handshake agreement. I think it's done. I think the Packers have made their their mind up. I think they've talked with Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers has given the Packers his intention. And and I think that that's it's it's a done deal moving forward. They've agreed, maybe not officially to terms of the contract. Maybe they have. I don't know. But uh, if not, I, I think that they're they're currently working on how to restructure it. And there is a, a gentleman's agreement between the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers that they are going to be working on a uh, restructured uh, contract or an extension or whatever it is to uh, to keep Aaron Rodgers here 
for the long haul. What does that mean for Jordan Love? I don't know. It means he's going to be uh, at best a backup, and uh, otherwise he'll probably just we'll just move on from him. I don't know why we wouldn't keep him as a backup though. I mean, we drafted him for a certain level of talent. Uh, as far as backups go, at least with his potential, hopefully he can be Matt Flynn level good. But again, that's just a teaser. I'm going to start gathering up some clips and, and stuff. Um, by the way, if you have any and want to just save me some time just looking for something to do, anything positive that you've heard from Aaron Rodgers recently, throw it my way because I'm going to need all that stuff. I'm going to try to try to build this out. But um, that's where I'm at right now. Not only do I think he's coming back, I think it's I think it's a done deal. And I think it's been officially, unofficially, but officially agreed upon between the team and Aaron Rodgers. But I'm going to leave it at that. Well, you know what? We didn't talk about the other games. We got a little time. I'm not going to leave it at that. Let's at least look at the playoff picture. I'm not going to go through game by game because who cares? As it stands, prior to these games, Green Bay obviously has the number one seed. Um, going in order after that, LA, the Rams have the second seed. Tampa Bay has the third seed. Dallas has the fourth seed. Arizona has the fifth. San Francisco has the sixth. And Philly has the seventh. Basically, this works. The team with the lowest seed that wins, we get. So if Philadelphia wins, they're coming to Green Bay. If Philadelphia loses and San Francisco wins, they're coming to Green Bay. If those guys lose and Arizona wins, coming to Green Bay. Otherwise, it's Dallas. We will not see Tampa or the Rams. Again, this is just based on so far. If we go through and just assume the favorited teams all win, so, I mean, we'll just kind of make some stuff up here. It doesn't really matter for Washington or the Saints. Or we don't care about the AFC, although we could technically look at that. So I guess we'll kind of kind of take that seriously. Baltimore wins. Buffalo's going to win. Uh, Miami and New England, I don't know. We'll go with New England. Uh, Cincinnati's going to beat the Browns. Packers beat the Lions. Tampa beats uh, the Panthers. Arizona's going to beat Seattle. Tennessee's going to beat the Texans. The Colts will beat the Jaguars. The Rams will beat the 49ers. The uh, Vikings will beat the Bears. And we'll say the Chargers beat the Raiders. Who cares? I don't know. Um, Actually, that does change things because the Saints now are the seventh seed. Who just got dropped out? Oh, the 49ers. Oh, wow. Fair enough. So if if things play out as it seems like they will, the 49ers aren't even going to make it. They're going to have to beat the Rams. If So hold on. Let's make sure everything else is the same. It is. So everything's the same except the 49ers are out. Philadelphia is now the sixth seed, and the Saints are now the seventh seed. If the 49ers pull this off, the Rams drop all the way to the fifth. So you got uh, the Eagles are back in at the seventh seed. The 49ers are back in as the sixth seed. The Rams fall all the way to the fifth seed. Uh, Dallas is still number four. But then you've got Tampa number two and Arizona number three. So those would be the two teams that we don't see. So that's kind of interesting. That's So this is actually probably, with the 49ers out and the Saints at, at number seven, is, is the expected outcome. Trying to look at some other games that might make a difference. I know if the if Tampa Bay loses and San Francisco uh, wins, no. Oh, this is all kind of weird. Um, there is a, a possibility that we see Tampa. And the way in which that works, as I can see it here, um, Tampa has to lose. The Cardinals have to lose, and the Rams have to lose. If that happens, Tampa Bay falls to the fourth seed, and then LA is the third seed, and Dallas is the second seed. Meaning, if Dallas beats Philly, and the Rams beat the 49ers, then Tampa beats Arizona. If all the favorites win, Tampa comes to Green Bay. That would be the one scenario that we could see Tampa. So we could see Philly, we could see Arizona, because Arizona is the fifth seed in this scenario. We could see uh, San Francisco. We could see Tampa. We could see, did I say LA? I think LA. We could see Dallas. In, in that exact same scenario, if LA beats San Francisco, Dallas is the fourth seed. Uh, LA goes to the second seed. Is there a way we don't see 
What if Arizona wins? Yeah, so if Arizona... So here's another one. If, if the Tampa Bay loses, if San Francisco wins and Arizona wins, then LA becomes the fifth seed, so we could see LA. So that it's pretty much everybody, and Dallas is the fourth seed. So um, we could see... We, we haven't learned anything here. We could see Dallas. We could see the Saints. We could see uh, Tampa Bay. We could see Arizona. We could see San Francisco. We could see the Rams... And uh, that's pretty much everybody. So there's there's really no team that we can't see when we end up playing in the playoffs. So a lot more will be determined after this game. At the very least, we'll find out the two teams that we won't be. First of all, who's in the playoffs? And then the two teams who will not be in. I mean, that will not be coming to Green Bay. Um, obviously, as I was saying, the two teams that are still fighting to get in are the, uh, the Saints and the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, it's just win and you're in. For the Saints, they're going to need some help. If They need to win, but then they need some help in addition to that. But anyways, and again, I've already talked about it. There's there's really no team that I feel super comfortable playing. Um, the Saints, I feel like, are pretty beat up and banged up, and we should be okay with them, but you never know. I There's still that whole curse thing, and I just don't really want to deal with that. As stupid as that sounds, I'm going to be stupid and say I don't want to see them, and I don't want to deal with it. Philadelphia is dangerous because of what they can do. San Francisco, because of the way that they play, scares me. You know, the the, the scheme and it just, you know, they, they got the good pass rusher. It's just a scary situation. Uh, the Rams, we've seemed to have had their number a little bit, but it's still a scary, scary team with, uh, you know, you look at how they won last week. It was Odell Beckham and Von Miller that got them the win. It was those two guys that came in and, you know, they have the ability to drive down and make plays. They still got Aaron Donald, who, you know, we've been able to mitigate his damage, but he's still a scary dude that can wreck a game. Dallas is hanging 51 points on teams every two weeks. Tampa scares the living daylights out of me, even though I'm laughing at them because they're in complete chaos. It's just one of those things. I just don't want to mess with them anymore. Um, Arizona, we beat, but that was a nail biter. And um, if Kyler Murray continues to uh, run more as he has and become more dangerous with his feet as he has the last couple weeks and whatnot, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a tough team, man. So at the end of the day, you're in the playoffs, you're playing the best of the best, and you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to play your best football. And I, 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 like most people believe that if the Packers had played their best football last year, they would have won the Super Bowl. So it's not even just about the opponents. I feel like their biggest opponent is the Green Bay Packers. If it doesn't matter who they're playing, they could be playing the Lions in the postseason. And if they show up like they did against Tampa, if they show up like they did against the 49ers, if they just have a collapse game in the NFC Championship game, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They could be playing the Texans and lose if they play that bad. So anyways, I am going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will be talking to you tomorrow for hopefully Victory Monday. And uh, we'll, we'll try to dig into some more fun stuff this week because we got some time. But uh, have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.